Hi, good morning. My name is Rich and we're Consumer Hub. We focus on recruiting, marketing, innovation and sales professionals across the FMCG sector. And this is the FMCG podcast where we speak with some of the most exciting people and brands that we can get hold of and hear their story and hear their insights into leadership within the sector. Today we've got Louise from Popcorn Kitchen here with us on the show, which we're really excited uh, about. And we're going to hear all about the Popcorn Kitchen story and also a bit about Louise's career and her insights into leadership as well. Louise, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Could you just, for uh, anyone listening or watching, just give us a quick insight into you and your business and your story? Hey there, Richard. And hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here to talk about my favourite thing, which is my brilliant business, the Popcorn Kitchen. So we've been going for since 2012, where we started popping at festivals. And then in 2017, we realised we had some fantastic products and really good quality that we wanted to take to the trade. So we developed our range of fun, fabulous products. And uh, I'm here to, with Richard to, to show him some of those and to share that with you as well. Oh, smashing. Well, we, we've actually reviewed some of the uh, the popcorn kitchen uh, products, which we'll come on to later. And uh, they are really, really tasty. So I can, I can vouch for that. And if, if you're uh, watching, listening, you're feeling hungry already, um, then you should go and check them out. My, my particular favourite was the lemon drizzle. I've not had lemon drizzle before on a popcorn and that was absolutely outstanding. Loved it. It was great. Oh, Richard, I can't tell you the lemon drizzle. So just to let you know something about our products, <clears throat> all of our products are based on something of nostalgia, of something that I really enjoy. So lemon drizzle is a great example of that. So I really love lemon drizzle cake. Yeah, yeah. It is brilliant, but it's stodgy and quite fattening. Yeah, so I wanted something which was light, but gave me that lemon drizzle hit that reminded me of the cake. So I created a popcorn with it and it's so much more better for you. In fact, actually, popcorn is a more permissible snack. Do you know that, Richard? I did actually, it but it surprised me. It, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, one, it's one grain of corn and it's particularly popular with students. And one of the reasons why is not only is it a great snack to share with your mates, but also it's quite high in uh, fibre and it's got good level of protein in as well. Were you aware oh, of that, Richard? I wasn't. I have to add it to my, to my shakes. Maybe not pop, pop, oh, pop, but I'll have it with my shakes. <laughs> the, oh, um... that's, like, that's brilliant. But just, just talk us through some of the props in the background, because you've got like an absolute yeah, huge bottle there, which is, is fascinating. Right, so, I don't know if you're old enough for this, Richard, right? But it, back in the 70s, we used to be able to get really big bottles of whiskey, Bell's whiskey, yeah, and yeah. we used to put money in it. Anyway, my dad had one of these, he drank the whiskey, he gave the bottle to me and I put my pennies in it. And the bottom fell out half, halfway oh, when no. it spilled halfway. Rotten look. Dreadful. So what happened was we created our own giant bottle. Nice. So here we are, hand-popped popcorn in a giant bottle that becomes a money bottle afterwards. So, so you, you can buy a few quids in there if you saved up. Yeah, you can buy it for your kid. There, Richard, nice. for your little boy. Nice. And then you can put it in there, put all his money in there, put his cars in there if you wanted to. Probably would, so this yeah. is and my keys. <laughs> <laughs> this is no surprise that it's the number one best-selling line at Christmas. We sell absolutely boatloads of this. And this product um, has evolved over time as well. So originally, we used to buy this um, bottle from Italy. Oh, yeah. But... So, so it came a long way, and when we got it, it was broken, and la la la. Anyway, we want to be a more sustainable uh, company, 
So what we did, we went in uh, with a joint venture with a company called MPS, who uh, yeah. in the northeast of England. Uh, we bought a kit from China with them, and uh, we shipped it over. And they now make all of our giant bottles for us. Oh, the right. quality is loads better, Brilliant. and more importantly, we've cut down on our miles, our yeah. road miles. It's more sustainable, and also it doesn't break. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, again, we've got a really robust. So, so the bottom's not going to fall out that one. There you go. So it's all, it's all in this. And we had a massive coup this year. I mean, I can't believe this. So we've got teachy tiny marketing spend. Yeah. And uh, Joe Wicks actually got hold of this bottle and put it onto his Instagram Amazing. page. And first of all, he just took a picture and he showed that he'd eaten some of it. And the week after, get this, he actually showed a video of him in bed with our giant bottle eating our giant bottle and he actually called this his radox i was like <laughs> oh my god so so our target market for popcorn is um women between that 25 to 45 families yeah. because it's a really family eat and joe wicks wow he is the target market I mean, I, I through lockdown every he's morning. He's the influence really for that for that for that demographic. Oh my god, he's a massive influence. <laughs> anyway, the sales um, on with Joe Wicks that week, those two weeks were incredible. So I'm ever grateful for Joe Wicks, not only helping me through um, lockdown, but also to supporting our brand. So we're I mean, really that, grateful. That's an absolute PR home run louise that are you able to share that? Is, is that was that organic did have you have you been doing a bit of pr outreach that what was the context that or did he just pick it up we, well the, the thing is we, we have a bit again we don't have a lot of pr money we've yeah. got a little bit of pr money and we've got a really good guy called ian hills he's uh yeah, he really great. helps us out yeah he's a good lad and um and then we do a bit of social media um you know, but not we don't really have the um, the funds to do that. So when he came up, when he when Joe Wicks got hold of it, it was incredible. So oh, I don't know yeah. who bought it for him or whether he bought it for himself. But we thank you very much whoever did that. Hey Joe, if you're listening, and, and I'm sure you are. Big thanks. <laughs> he's amazing. We yeah. love Joe Wicks. So uh, what, what provoked um, you to set the business up originally then? Because obviously, you, you sounds like there's some. There's a big link there to you, kind of nostalgia for you in terms of the flavours. But what was the why popcorn and and what makes it well, different? The, well, the thing is, um, I've always been um, in food. My whole career, I've been in food, and actually through the latter part of my career before um, Popcorn Kitchen, I was always um, working in impulse categories, so yeah. snacking categories. Yeah. I was the yeah. um, sales director at KP Snacks. So it always really interested me. And also, um, I love snacking. And more importantly, the UK, we are the snacking category of the world. <laughs> so um, I think there's like two billion, it's worth about two billion quid. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just immense. And actually, uh, popcorn in itself, it, you know, there is mass market popcorn mm. out there. But there is definitely a... Um, there was an opportunity for a more premium brand, which is more innovative in terms of the gifting side, as well as yeah, providing yeah. really nice packs as well. So I think actually the my experience of being in stacking categories and actually the very impulse nature of them made it really appealing to me. And it's funny, I did a, um, so I, I, I had a really good career and but I had this coach and she sat down with me and what do you really want to do and actually it came out that I was quite entrepreneurial 
Um, in one of my companies, they called me the maverick because they always did things a little bit different, you know, never really followed the yeah. mold of a salesperson. But, you know, that's what I did and was very successful at it. So that's how it kind of came about in terms of the snacking category. And then in terms of what makes this different, um, so you have mass market. So the brands that are mass market, which you put a, a grain of corn in one end and it comes out popcorn at the yeah. other, don't get touched by hand. Ours, popcorn kitchen, so it is like you would make in the kitchen. So if I'm at home making popcorn and uh, I used to burn the pans when I was little, which really infuriated my mother. But anyway, um, I pop the corn, I coat it in chocolate and we eat it at home. And so that is exactly how we make this popcorn. And for the convenience of all our uh, consumers out there, they can just open the bag and they can just enjoy the popcorn. So it's all handmade, it's all hand finished. We we use a mushroom corn. So I don't know if you uh, know about corn. No, I'm a novice. can either be... <laughs> well, there's two, kind of, <laughs> there's two kinds of corn. So the mass-produced stuff tends to be a butterfly corn, and it tends to pop like that. So you get quite a lot of bits in the bottom, and it's you know not very nice. Um, we use mushroom corn, which pops like this, mm. and it does it does two things. Firstly, it gives you a better crunch, um, and secondly, when we are coating it with you know salted caramel or chocolate, it's easier to coat. And we can get a really, really fine coating of all these flavours. So you don't lose, it doesn't become lemon lemon drizzle overpower and no corn. It's kind of like a really lovely balance of that. Mm. And, and the second thing that makes us different is we do have loads of innovation. So just one moment, just one moment. Don't go away. Is, it, is this a live, a live <laughs> launch? Wow, look at no, that. A yard, right. wow. And yeah, right. So this, so again, as I told you earlier, Richard, this is a everything has a nostalgic twist on it. So well, back in we the day, the when selection I worked, box, we thought that was so innovative. Uh, we thought that was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. So the selection box. Oh my God! You're going to love our innovations for the selection box. That is this great. Is, this was launched last year. It's got all the six varieties in. It's fantastic. Look at that. That's Look brilliant. at that. I mean, we, we're always really disappointed in our house if we don't get at least a couple of selection boxes. And uh, yeah, you know, if, if people want to mix it up outside of Cadbury's winner, just adds the excitement, doesn't it? Well, I, there's, other, there's other benefits than my selection box. You go on. Uh, as you would expect. So I don't know about you, but um, the last time I bought a Cadbury selection box, it had really small bars in it. It had a plastic tray. Yeah. And I felt I was left quite disappointed because when I was growing up, we used to have full-size bars in the products, and um, now they just don't do that because they want to hit a price point. We don't do that. In our selection box, you get a full 30-gram pack this size. Mm. So six of those, all different flavours in there, and there's no plastic tray. So yeah. all the time when we're developing right. our products, we try to be more innovative in terms of our sustainability as well. So I love that. That's great. So go on, the, 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 the ideas then, is that, are you the ideas hub, Louise? Like where's the, well, what's the team, well, like what's, what's the? Yeah, so so um, so me and my business partner, Andy Valentine, we kind of come up with the ideas. I have to say, I like, you know, the, so the yard is a thing, a throwback from United Biscuits, yeah. because I, I was there when they launched the yard of Jaffa, 
and uh, oh my god it was fantastic and i loved yeah, it yeah. we sold a boatload into asda and it sold really well so those are the kind of ideas that we can kind of come up with and um, we've got loads more in the pipeline for next year we've got all these little gift bottles oh the stocking as well oh, the little stocking so have heard of um uh, christmas eve hampers yeah 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 so Christmas Eve hampers in big in America. I'd never heard of this three years ago. And then someone said to me, oh, we buy your stockings to put in our Christmas Eve hampers. Really? And I was like, what the hell is that? And it's a family occasion on Christmas Eve. You yeah, have yeah. a box. It's full of pyjamas and snacks and popcorn and chocolate and drinks and things. And then you sit down and have a family evening, which I thought was fantastic. Oh, so I do that now as well. So I've got, some, I've got some German friends that do that. They do like a, a big family hamper present on Christmas Eve, which is a bit of a German tradition. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so I've got so for people that are inspired by your story, and they're thinking, right, one day I want to have my own my own gig. I want to be able to kind of you know be at the helm of my own business. I mean, you've got a fascinating career where you obviously you understand snacking from from a branding perspective, from a private label perspective. You've got that end to end view. Like how how do you think that's kind of influenced your success? Because you've obviously been successful trading for six years, growing, got through COVID, brilliant. Like, do you, do you, sort of, what are some of the kind of key drawdowns from your career that you would say, you're looking back at it, do you know that that set me up to have fun now and, and do what I want to be doing? Oh my gosh, I, I have to say, uh, for any budding entrepreneur that is in a job that they don't, you know, they don't like or they don't think is adding value, actually. In every aspect of what I've done throughout my career has absolutely added value and enabled me to be the person that I am today and to run the business, the successful business, to be a profitable, growing, strong growing business. It is, um, you know, you can you can pull each of the aspects out. So from down to I was a buyer mm. at Safeway. So I really understand about negotiations. I really yeah. understand about um uh seeing when we get a good price i understand about uh, i was a technologist so you know in terms of all that uh npd ideas i come up with loads of npd ideas i mean some some work you know some don't yeah. work but um you know what you have to do you have to be um bold and you have to have the courage to yeah. be able to to go out and do it so mm. you know having that a uh, passion for something really is really important. Um, but all the technical skills that I've learned, so, you know, structured selling. So I worked for United Biscuits for a number of years and their um, programme of training and development yeah. was incredible. And it gave me a really good basis. So not only do I have the technology and because I've got a degree in food science, Richard, yeah. can you believe it? I was in a lab on my own. When they I let you loose in a lab on your own. Imagine ah, the popcorn creations. Ah, <laughs> I was so frustrated. I didn't realise I had an extrovert personality. But anyway, yeah, that's yeah. A, but it still works for me because actually the technical side of all of our products is really important to me. Yeah. So if something isn't accredited and if a supplier isn't accredited, can't give me certificates of conformance, I can't yeah. go in audit, can't get through a SEDEX questionnaire, I'm not interested because uh, yeah. actually it's really important to me and my values and and the company's values as well. So um yeah. So you've got that kind of end you know, to end kind of like functional view of the different different pieces in the puzzle. And, and just so always one of the questions that comes up quite a lot, 
kind of the podcast and like other content we do or like kind of kind of marketing sales questions that Harry's been doing is is people kind of want to know what what make what does good look like what what kind of what fuels success like for someone that's maybe a, a nam at the moment and they're thinking right I want to do something really interesting maybe it's working for a startup maybe it's setting their own gig up maybe it's just progressing through but they know they need to kind of do their time develop those kind of like core skills like you said like say you've got two types of we've got like one on private label side you've got one on brand like what do they what sort of skills do they need to learn to win in those spaces maybe it's the same kind of skill set but what would you say like for an account manager is that the core spine that they've absolutely got to make sure they they deliver on this before they step onto the next level this this is what mastery looks like as, as a good account manager like how would you sort of frame or, or term that yeah, well, I mean, certainly, I mean, I've had um, experience uh, both in brand and own brand, and I've had experience both as a salesperson and also as a buyer yeah. and also as a technology. So I've got a massive amount of experience. And uh, and the two things are really quite different. Mm-hmm. So, um, so from a brand perspective, um, you know, so when I was working in United Biscuits, we would be presented the brand we would be given all the features and benefits of the brand. We, yeah. we, we would be given the price, the recommended retail price, and we would be told to go out. And the finance team would give me a pot of money and said, right, grow the brand in your customer, and this is the target you've got to achieve. So it was kind of like a bit spoon-fed. And then mm. the training in doing a structured sale, managing objections, and having a negotiation would kind of wrap it all up. In terms of own brand, that is completely different. Mm. And actually, from an account manager's perspective, you get exposed to a lot more of the buyer. So you'll get to know, so you have a conversation with the buyer on brand, but on own brand, you might have a conversation with the technical people, their supply chain people, yeah, yeah. The, the buyer, their print company and also you would have to interact with your factory to make sure that they've got the capacity you know so there's quite a lot of interactions and I think probably much more touch points from an own brand perspective and whereas marketing if you've got a nice strong brand you don't tend to you know it's a kind of here you go this is a nice strong brand we're going to support it and the buyer kind of feels compelled to list it most of the time yeah yeah on own brand you might be up against quite a lot of other uh, suppliers mm. so you've got to demonstrate how you can be different to other people whether that's your service your availability the quality of your product um but really it does come down to cost yeah and um yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> you know there's no because there's no balance of power there you, you don't have the balance of power mm. unless you've got something you know particularly special so um it does come down to cost and also having a um opportunity to to do an internet auction as a uh, as a little nam okay. it is it, it can be really daunting because it yeah. is like an internet the time is coming down the price is coming down you've got your walk away and you know that you can't go over your walk away but you know it's the really tempting to do it. The, yeah yeah <laughs> Because you know you're going to lose the business. It's there in front of you. Whereas in a standard negotiation, even if you lost the business, you wouldn't know about it. So um, that's, that's really but, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I think you definitely need to have both uh, attributes uh, to move on. So kind of like a really good understanding of like sort of um, sales process, the story, the assets, what makes it compelling. You know, if you're selling a branding context, but for private label, it's more of that you know, being curious, getting all over your costings, making sure there's no stone unturned in terms of unlocking that value for the customer so you can get that competitive edge on quite skinny margins. I guess it's a sort of, it's a, it's a difference in focus, isn't it, in terms of where your eyes are? 
yeah absolutely and you know sometimes um i think that uh own brand is kind of like a bit of understated you know because it's well it's own brand you know we don't really want to deal with that but it can be really important uh, in terms of developing your customer relationship as well yeah. so if you've got a strong branded business and also you've got a strong own la own label business as well with the customer that can really help your relationship as well because you become you know it's very convenient for the buyer just to have things in one place as well yeah, so don't yeah. underestimate that you know because buyers are really busy their job you know they're dealing with 101 things every day so it's it's good for them as well to have uh, that um you know that one one-stop shop if you like yeah it's interesting like some, some of my favorite success stories in that sme snacking space in the last few years have actually played in both markets really successfully and just nailed the mix so they've just been that go-to um before they got sold like the co-fresh eat real um yes. business in leicester i mean they just did so well at like they pretty much invented the the concept of those like uh, blown um, like hummus chips and we had some of the hummus shells in the office yesterday they're so good the amount of flavour they carry yes. but until they were doing that as Eat Real like you didn't really see the, the product around did you and no. um, it was just somebody somebody the business had this idea said let's, let's put it let's, let's put a brand behind this because it's new let's, let's go for it and everyone's jumping on with the private label but um, yeah, I just think it's, it's a fascinating space. And that, that, like you said before, like British snacking, um, I think Brits are always after something new. Like I love the novelty factor or the gifting stuff over there because that's what makes me buy gifting for my family because particularly for my dad, it's hard to buy for. What he likes is like really good quality <laughs> food. Like if you say to him, like, what do you want for Christmas? I like, don't get me anything. Go on, dad. Well, what do you really want? Give me some nice <laughs> cheese, Rich. And he, and he doesn't want any cheese. What he wants is something that's like mad flavoursome, novelty cheese. If you get him some, if I could get him like a, a, a truckle that was like, yeah, or popcorn, or popcorn. So, cheesy popcorn, cheesy how about popcorn? that for you, Dad? I'll 100%. send you some samples, Rich. I, I'll, he would love that cheesy popcorn. To be honest, I've not got his uh, his gift yet, so I need to, to take a trip down to the website later, don't I? Um, but I just wanted to build that because you, you, your channel experience is really interesting because you, you, you've approached in everything. And you've gone from like big, kind of like you said, you know, private label malt senders, big branded pitches with you out of biscuits through to, you know, D to C, uh, organic, low spend kind of marketing. It's all around the product and the concept. Um, like, how do you, how do you sort of win in both? Like, what what makes what makes Popcorn Kitchen so successful in that sort of D to C gifting space at the moment? Um, and how do you sort of then within that kind of same vein, how do you wrap your head around what makes someone a really good salesperson? within the big the big malts market as well. Can you just kind of paint the picture of those two worlds and what it what it's like to win in both for us? Yeah, so I mean in my world, um, you know, we don't we don't work with all the big malts simply because um we are pot by hand, you know, yeah. we're artisan and actually the big malts aren't really interested in that because you can't really convey that mm. on a supermarket shelf. No. So you know we you know we tend to work with people like Selfridges, garden centres, yeah, yeah, yeah. farm shops. Because actually the people that go in there, um, they are more likely to buy artisan food. They've got more time. That they may have got more, you know, means to pay to pay for these products yeah. as well. Um, and uh, it is, uh, I would say, it's less pressurized. It still has a pressure because you still need to convince a buyer that actually your products need to sell. But we've got quite a good story. We've got lots of good um, feedback from mm. other. Um, buyers in the similar places as well so we've got lots of great stories to tell people whereas i think in, in a now in the malts i think it's um 
they are so big and they are their brand shares are so big as well you know and if you're um so i worked at united biscuits we had number one brand in biscuits we had number two brand in snacks so it was um, incredibly important because not only did you have to get it right for your company, if you are the number one brand in any category, then you have a responsibility for growing that category. Mm. So, um, so it's not, you know, it's not, it's not quite as easy. And specifically for a NAM in malts, I mean, my experience of uh, malts, I mean, it is fantastic experience. But um, I used to, my finance man. If he was if he was listening to this, Rob, he knows all all about it. So me and Rob used to sit there writing joint business plans for the malts. So probably one of the most critical plans you would ever write for for a malt, because what it gives you is it gives you the framework for all the initiatives and actions that the retailer is going to do within that specific year. So if you've got a mar really strong marketing plan and with great innovation, you have to make sure that you get it listed within mm -hmm. your customer. So, and also you can't, you know, just ignore all of the other uh, products that you already have in there. So, you know, things like share of distribution, share of space, promotional space, getting your MPD in front of the, the uh, shopper, making sure you've got a really good um, in-store activation plan, but it all has to be documented within the JBP. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, the work, you know, I mean, you learn from experience, don't you, Rich, in life? So the more ambiguous the wording, the more opportunity your plan won't be uh, delivered as you thought you might. Ah, okay, because yeah, yeah, great point. So, so, and selective amnesia, Rich, is amazing. Yeah. Because people forget. So, unless you have it really detailed down, very specific in the plan, and then that's the initiative, that's, there's the time and there's the investment that I'm prepared to pay, then it can come a bit trickier if you're mm. trying to make the retailer accountable. Now, most retailers, you know, they're, they're fair and they will work with you. But, you know, if there's any ambiguity, you're not going to get your plan. Great point. And then, yeah. and then your finance manager would look at you and go, well, Louise, you didn't do that particularly well, <laughs> did you? Because you didn't, you were a bit ambiguous there in your language. So, it's, so it's, it is a different challenge. And even if you don't have a joint business plan within the malts, uh, the win is so big mm. and the loss is so big. So, you know, for, for now, you know, now starting out, I think they just have to relax around it and just think to themselves, right, okay, how can I make this compelling for the buyer to buy me? Yeah, yeah. You know, because what they're looking for, they're looking for the commercial benefits of a, a category enhancing plan because yeah, it's yeah. no good going in with a product that's just going to steal or cannibalize from the rest of the category. And if you can do that in a compelling way and put some, you know, maybe a little bit of money as an incentive for that, then um, you see successful. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. And, and just to kind of taking it back into like your kind of space, like what, so, so you've been doing it, is it nearly sort of six years now, Popcorn Kitchen? Yes. Yeah, and, and yes. has so I'm always fascinated when I speak to startups because it, it seems like things things change and develop. You start off with an idea, and then before you know it, you've gone here, and then you're here again, and it kind of develops over time. Like, did, did you set out and think, right, I want to make this kind of concept gifting, and it's going to be premium. It's going to go into kind of you know independence in that sort of gifting retail space. Um, you know, just give me a bit of an insight into kind of how that sort of channel journey has maybe changed or developed since you set it up. Cause, yeah. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, 
Um, Snacking is a very crowded market and you've got some really strong brands in there. Yeah. So it was about understanding actually, you know, where are you likely to be most successful? You know, yeah, where yeah. is the need for your brand? Right. Because ultimately you have to launch products that resonate with people, which is why the nostalgia bit is really important. Mm. Because if people can see it and people can, you know, like an old, old fashioned selection box or a yard, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. people go, do you know what? I remember that or oh, that looks like really novelty or at this time of year, they're going, wow, that yard will fill my son's stocking up, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so we get all these kind of bits of feedback. And I think it's for me, I think I've got more of a poetic license to produce more wacky. You know, we are a gifting company full of developing big large gifts yeah, yeah. which are are really innovative and uh, different from what other brands are doing at the moment and also um because we are small and artisan we can do this stuff mm. because people you know bigger brands that mass market just can't because it's not cost effective for them yeah, to suddenly get offline and start packing things by hand or popping <laughs> popping the corn in a you know in a little petal to to get it ready so um i think and it, you know i mean it certainly did develop um through covid because uh, when covid hit you know like a lot of companies shops closed and all of a sudden we lost our you know our mainstream of revenue so I was sitting back thinking, what am I going to do now? And um, we looked at hamper companies. So hamper companies actually in COVID did really well because everyone was online. So we developed our online offering and we worked with hamper companies. So our little bags like this nice. go into thousands and thousands of hamper companies. And now we have a really thriving hamper company business and that wouldn't have happened necessarily, Rich, without the shock of COVID. Mm. Because like, you know, like anybody going through COVID, you, you either had a choice. You could either, you know, give it all up and or you could um, survive. And that's what we did. We adapted, we changed and we actually survived. And bizarrely, COVID was our, our biggest ever year. Really? Wow. Fascinating. Until last year, when it was our biggest ever year, or until this year, which is our biggest ever year. So we've effect we've effectively uh, doubled our business in the last two years. That's fantastic. Which That's really good. Helped helped by a little bounce back loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a deferral of that. But you know, we're really grateful for. Um, That's what for it was that, there for, so, though, wasn't it? You know, it was. It and I think you know, for me, I'd be. I know people, you know say about the government but actually you know for me and my business i i wouldn't have survived without that help so so cheers rishi if he's listening thanks Richie. <laughs> good man <laughs> as well as yeah rishi i'm sure i do i do actually think rishi and joe are watching so uh, it's good to have the shout out i know richie come on <laughs> yeah thank you um so, so just because you've obviously like a just a yeah, just so many different kind of uh, facets to, to leadership in your in your career and in what you're doing at the moment. I wonder if I could just kind of take you into, you know, what you think makes uh, or what qualities you think make a good sales leader and what you think people need to double down on to kind of progress through to director level or, or, or to kind of get to that point where they've got the headspace set their own business up. Because there's a difference between being a sort of a, like a, a technical leader, you know, kind of operationally day to day and being somebody that's then kind of, 
able to kind of get out the fishbowl and, and look at things from a wide angle perspective and take that sort of 360, you know, um, strategic approach. Can, can you sort of talk me through what people need to double down on in that sort of technical phase and then the other aspects of sales leadership that people need to kind of develop into to, to do the big picture strategy stuff as well? Because that's often the, the part people can't quite get their heads around is how do I get from here, doing the do and doing very well yes. at it, to kind of getting over here where people trust me to, to paint the big picture and, and get buy-in on, on the journey? Yes. I mean, I'm really driven. Rich, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, <clears throat> You've got to win it, haven't you? And well, so the first—I mean, the first things first—is that you've got to understand where you're going in life. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, you know, where what are you going to be doing in ten years' time, Rich? But actually, it is really important to understand that because if you don't know where you're going, how can you create your roadmap to get there? Mm, so fun. I was really single-minded with it. So, you know, when you get into your career, start learning all the, the technical aspects of your job and people tell you and share their experience and share their knowledge, then you take all that on board. But actually, you know, when people say to you, what do you want to do next? And you go, oh, yeah, I want to do this next. But there's no plan then you don't really understand or know whether you're on the right path or not. So um, <laughs> so having been in manufacturing, having been a technologist, uh, a buyer and all these things, I, I came into sales and actually it was like a duck going into water. I loved it because uh, I get an opportunity to taste great products, work with some great people and go and sell this stuff to buyers. I loved it and I loved the challenge of it all. And it was, it was very technical. But for me, I wanted to be a sales director. I wanted to have a team of people. I wanted to um, be sat on a board. I wanted to have all of that experience. So I set out, and I've, I've still got it. it is that, that just demonstrates it. I should, I should frame it, really. Because it was, it was, it was, it was effectively a ten-year plan Love it. for me to get from where I want, where I was, to where I needed to get to, and what are the steps that I needed to take, and um, I, so I got loads of feedback on it. You know, I shared it with my line manager. He was like, "That really? You're doing this?" I, I, I said, oh, I've no, genuinely really never heard anybody sort of. Uh describe putting together a plan in that level of detail it's fascinating it's clearly worked for you. it's great oh no well the, the thing is uh you know so people you know if you get loads of feedback i got loads of 360 I, you know i got some you know brutal feedback um i got some really great it's about feedback popcorn, it helped... no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it wasn't, no. no it was about me anyway so because i am intense right and i'm you know I do, do you know insight colors rich yes yeah yeah yeah, we've done them. So great. I'm a red. I can I'm tell. Red, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> red, red, and yellow, and yeah, I, I yeah. used to dial up my blue energy when I was dealing with my finance yeah, team. Oh, um, but um, I got all that feedback from lots of different color energies as well. So I was able to um, not only focus on the technical stuff. So, but also the softer side. So, um, how to work with you know individuals, adapt my style to get the best out of people. Because when you become a sales director, looking after seventy-two people, you've got very very different personalities in there. They respond in a, in different ways. So it was in, it was critically important that I had the kind of technical competencies, which included things like you know strategic management, strategic thinking how to have a helicopter view when you're in the tree call, you know, mm, to try and get yeah, yourself out right. of it, to work with people, you know, the team working element, 
how to develop relationships and also you know so not all the kind of like stuff you want to do internally but then also the customer management side of how to get you know the best out of your relationships with your buyers get feedback i mean you know i mean they say feedback's a gift it really truly is if yeah. you want to um get to a uh your goal yeah so, yeah oh that's fascinating we'll, we'll look um i'm aware we're kind of like we've got about three minutes left on this this call so i just want to make sure that um people get an insight into what's next at popcorn kitchen for those watching and listening who are now feeling hungry and want to go and sample the products tell them what they should buy it's christmas coming up what do they need to go and get um maybe they'll be watching this in the new year and they're thinking right somebody's birthday is coming up or easter's coming up um what should they buy first and also what's next around the corner for popcorn kitchen and you okay in a nutshell the number one selling bottle. You never get Joe Wicks. The big Joe bottle. Wicks, check out Joe, Joe, Joe loves a bottle. You check it, check him out on his Instagram. That's the number one selling gift at Christmas. For any popcorn fiends, that's perfect. Yard. Oh. <laughs> that's great. The yard is also fill any stocking. Those teenagers, as they get older, their presents get smaller but more expensive. Need something to bulk out your their stockings. Buy a yard or. If you really like a selection of our gourmet hand pot popcorn, then our selection box goes down a treat. Great. So next year, we've got bigger, better innovation. We've got loads of new things coming out for Easter, but it's all about quality, innovation, and creating special gifts for people. Smashing. Oh, thanks, Louise. It's been, it's been an absolute blast. Really, really uh, fun doing it and hearing more about your story at Popcorn Kitchen and what you're up to. Um, if you've been watching or listening, please do reach out to Louise. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your time because anyone coming onto this podcast, it's all about investing back into the industry and uh, you know, people just give it the time so that you can get insights into leadership. Um, Louise, just very quickly, tell people where they can find you. Are you on LinkedIn? Is the business on Instagram? Where can they follow the business in yourself? Yeah, we're on Instagram. We're um, go over to our website www.popcornkitchen.co.uk. We've got some great deals on at the moment as well. So pop over there. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter. Smashing. That's great. Well, look. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much to everyone that's uh, joined us today on this. Um, we'll see you next time. And if you've got any recommendations on interesting, exciting businesses, products that you'd like us to talk to, get under the skin of, drop us a note, and we'll catch you soon.